Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. You know, I have had a history of picking on Wells Fargo for a long, long, long time. Uh, it feels like it's been almost 20 years. And I got something else to warn you about. They don't seem to be changing their stripes at all. And it's really important that you hear the warning I have about another part of Wells Fargo that could get into your wallet. Speaking of your wallet, coming up later, I want to talk about in an inflationary time, how you play the retail and grocery shopping game. Understanding how the game is played from the retailer's perspective could potentially help you really save money through a time that we all need to make every dollar stretch. So something that I have encouraged you to do or discouraged you from doing is never, 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 not ever do any investing with the investment side of a bank. A lot of the big banks in the country also offer investing products. But the reality is the banks overwhelmingly do not take on what's known as fiduciary duty, meaning that they will sell you stuff that makes them more money at full detriment to you. In addition, the investment products typically sold by the investment arms of banks are sold at extremely high fees. It's the worst of all possible worlds. You're paying really high fees and you're not getting somebody who legally is bound to do what's best for you. And then there's Wells Fargo. Okay, I can't even begin to tell you how upset I was when this story broke. But... In the brokerage business, you enter into an arbitration agreement when you use a company for investing, where you don't have normal access to the courts, and there's supposed to be an impartial industry panel that is assembled through a group called FINRA, and FINRA is this industry self-regulatory body that the idea is they 
police their own members and make sure that the little guy, the individual investor, is treated right. Well, what came to light in court was Wells Fargo, this is not an allegation, this is fact now, Wells Fargo engaged in perjury and also in an arbitration and also, unbelievably, broke the rules and got arbitrators appointed that they knew up front were going to find for Wells Fargo, that the whole idea of impartiality was pushed aside. The judge's ruling is unbelievable in terms of what Wells Fargo engaged in and what is yet another layer of criminal behavior. This just happened. I mean, you think about what's been going on with Wells Fargo, who for how long have I called a criminal enterprise impersonating a bank? Now I got to add an annex, a criminal enterprise impersonating an investment house. I mean, this is ugly, ugly, ugly. And the FINRA people are like as embarrassed as all get out that their system was manipulated. They've now hired an independent firm to investigate and figure out how to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. And now there's a congressional investigation of Wells Fargo doing this to add to all the other congressional investigations of Wells Fargo. It seems like every time that I expect this company to stop behaving in a criminal manner, Wells Fargo just can't seem to change the way it does business. And so I discourage you from doing business with that company. I think about, it's the, I think about the question I got a few months ago that Wells Fargo has this new awesome cashback credit card that actually is one of the best cashback cards in America. And so someone posted a question for me for the podcast. So do I recommend that they get the Wells Fargo card? (laughs) Oh, man, that was hard. So the way I answered it then as best I can remember is, well, you know, their card's a uh, 2% cashback card like these other 2% cashback cards. Why not get one of the other issuers 2% cashback cards where you don't have to worry about the longstanding ethical, moral, and criminal behavior of Wells Fargo? And then I got another question from someone, but Wells Fargo is offering a big bonus if you sign up for the card and charge so much in the first so many months and you get the 2% cashback. And then I answered the question this way. I said, you know, you got to think of it like a junk bond. You know, you're buying something that you hope is going to go okay because you're going to make more money on it. But remember, it is Wells Fargo. So yet another situation, you know, the account fraud, the ripping people off on insurance, uh, scandal after scandal after scandal involving this company whose culture can't seem to come clean. And I hope that the time will come that 
this is a company that is just like any other big bank to me and that I don't have yet another time of picking up, you know, the Wall Street Journal or Barron's or the New York Times and reading about yet another emerging scandal with Wells Fargo. I mean, you know, you cheated somebody in investing, just pay them the money. Don't commit perjury and don't cheat the system to get pro-Wells Fargo arbitrators. Seriously? Ready for questions? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this one from Christine in California. Hi, Clark. My husband is retiring in June, 28 years in the United States Marine Corps. Wow, that's fantastic. And we are debating, should we enroll in the military survivor benefit plan? For background, I'm a stay-at-home mom with no pension. We're both 50 and we are not independently wealthy. Thanks, Sensei Clark. So, Christine, uh, please express my gratitude to your husband and to you for the sacrifices you made through those 28 years for his service in the U.S. Marines. And once a Marine, always a Marine. So I really like the survivor benefit plan because you said it yourself, you're a stay-at-home, no pension. Now, what it means is, if I remember right, you'll get 55, 57%, something like that. It's a little more than half of his pension benefit if he were to die before you. And men tend to die before their wives. So since you have no independent wealth, you have no pension of your own, I think having that is a great idea. Now remember, though, it will only replace roughly half of your income. So the other thing you might consider if your husband's health is great is buying what's known as a term life insurance policy that you would own on his life so that you could replace the other half of that income potentially. So I know he's getting the pension and I'm talking about you reducing the amount of that pension so that actuarially you would continue to receive a pension benefit after he passes away, if he does pass away before you. But I want you to know that you're going to be financially okay. A level term insurance policy that I would add on to the survivor benefit plan is something that is um, very inexpensive to buy if you're USAA members, which so many Marines are, you would be able to buy a level term insurance policy through USAA. I also have a guide on Clark.com that walks you through how to buy it, how much coverage you should get, places you can buy it from as well if you're not a USAA member. And again, thank you for both of your service. And this is from Daniel in North Carolina. I have a very small business and do my banking at a brick and mortar bank whose name has changed several times since I opened the account. Originally, there were no fees, but the new owners have been charging me monthly. They also don't have mobile check deposit. I'm ready to ditch them, but I'm not sure which online banks to trust. Can you recommend a few? Yeah, and this is something I've been encouraging small businesses to do, is to either go, if you personally invest at Schwab or Fidelity, to look at opening your business banking account with one of them as an alternative um, Nerd Wallet does a list that they've just updated about two months ago, three months ago. It's slugged the 13 best free business checking accounts. 
And most of them are, of course, online accounts, no minimum balance required. Uh, Many of them pay interest on the money you have on deposit. They are FDIC insured accounts. And you can look through and look at their reviews of these various online banks and look at dumping this bank that has the uh, companies, the sign companies. They're just on retainer because they're there every 90 days putting up the name of the new acquiring bank. You don't need to pay for their sign people. You should instead not be paying for your checking and maybe earning some money on the side too. So again, go to nerdwallet.com and look at their best small business checking accounts. And this is from best small business. Do the full search. Best small business, no fee checking accounts. Stanley in Pennsylvania says, I attended a basketball game last Thursday. And when I got home, I checked my emails and got an alert. I saw my card was charged $23.74 at my local Sam's Club at the same time I was at the game. I immediately locked the card. So you were shopping on your Sam's Club app (laughs) while you were at the game during a timeout. And I called the credit union the next day. I just got this new card one month ago because the last one was compromised in the same way. In talking to the customer service rep, I told them since this just happened last night and Sam's Club has everything on video, plus you have to have a membership card to buy there, I felt we could track down the thief with relative ease. I would even do the legwork and file the police report and be available for testifying or depositions if they wanted to pursue an arrest. They declined. I'm amazed that these companies don't find getting hit and letting it go when they have a great opportunity to get at least one thief. This might send a message that there are consequences to this activity. Yeah, this is a terrible problem. It's one they call diffusion of responsibility, that the banks, in this case the credit union, the merchant processor, the retailer, they all just look at this as a cost of doing business. And they're like, what are you worried about? Didn't cost you money. Well, ultimately, obviously, all theft like this costs all of us money as an additional cost in the system. But yeah, your frustration is legit. They are not going to have any interest in doing anything to pursue the individual criminal. The big thing now in retail is trying to bust the fraud rings rather than individual crooks. And so the individual who gets stolen credit card numbers or whatever, they just go right under the radar and all of us end up ultimately paying for that. But I don't want you to feel cynical as a result. I just want you to understand that they... They do look at this as just like noise in their business. And that's why everybody kind of blows you off when you say, wait a minute, you got video of the crook for sure. You know who this is just by looking. Why wouldn't you do anything about it? And they just don't want to be bothered. Sorry to say. Now talking about retail, I want to address something straight ahead. In a time of high inflation, Understanding how retailers operate that you do business with is really key to you stretching every dollar. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I want to tell you that I am amazed when I look at our weekly briefing of all the wonderful content that we posted over the last seven days on Clark.com. I, I was just I, I had so much pride looking at that just two days ago, looking at our last weekly report, because my goal is to give you the knowledge that you're able to take more control in your life, have more power in your life. And that is core to what we write about, where life has so much confusion to it. There's so many different choices we have to make, which known as the paradox of choice. And we get overwhelmed. So our mission, and one communicated to everybody who works on Clark.com, on ClarkDeals.com, is to give people the advice and information so that you can put it to work in your life. And that's my thing with the podcast as well. I want you to be able to hear something from me, like what I'm about to talk about, and process it, use it, as you move forward. And what I want to talk about now is in a time of inflation that means that our paychecks for most of us, we may be getting fatter paychecks, but they buy less stuff. To understand the psychology and the method of operation of different retailers and supermarkets is key to you saving money. So, Retail works principally on what's known as the high-low. So what retailers historically have done is they have a small number of items that they put on sale at what are really great prices. This is true in the supermarket. We've seen it forever. But it's also true with general retailers that they'll put a certain number of things on sale and they may even sell some as true what are known as loss leaders. A loss leader is an item where they will lose net money on that item is a way to create a perception in you that that store is a deal. And so you go in there and the way money is made is on the high of the low. 
because most items are sold at a pretty high markup to counteract the losses or the low markup they may have done on that week's sales items. If you think about it, if you look on an app for a supermarket or if you have an old-fashioned newspaper flyer or you get the store and they have a paper flyer at the door and you look at it, and then you look at the sea of merchandise in that store, you realize how few items are actually on sale of everything that's there. So the way you get a high-low retailer to work for you and work for your wallet is you do what most people don't do. You bulk buy the sale items and you bypass the ones that are not on sale. For the supermarkets, you are, they have some interesting phrases behind the scenes for people who buy like that. But they're the ones that put the items for sale. And if you are trying to stretch every dollar, you buy the lows, ignore the highs. It's no different than what I've talked about all through the years that how people buy produce. That you'll be in the produce, and let's say you're in apples. Who knew there were so many different styles of apples? You might have, depending on the store, you may have six varieties of apples or 24 varieties of apples. And you're trying to decide what to buy. Well, what do I buy? I look for what's on sale. And if it's a style of apple that I like the taste of, that's what I buy. But if they're not affordable, I don't buy apples that day. I mean, that's what we do all the time in our lives. When we're in a retail store, we see something that we need in our lives, we buy it. And, you know, I have a thing in the warehouse clubs and Sam's and Costco. And again, I promised I would join BJ's Wholesale, but I haven't done so yet. Anyway, when I see an item has been moved to the end cap and there's a ton of them there, and they're not on sale, I bet they're going to be on Sam's Instant Savings soon or on a Costco in warehouse sale. And so I don't buy if I don't need it right then, and then I wait for the sale, and that's when I buy it. And so there you are in a warehouse club. And see what's interesting about that, warehouse clubs are not high-low sellers. The warehouse clubs follow the everyday low pricing thing that Walmart essentially pioneered. Target has copied more or less. The idea that you don't want people to do what I said, where they buy the lows and ignore the highs, that they know that the price they're seeing is a good price. You know, Costco, the largest markup on any item in the store, is 15% on Kirkland Signature, their private label, 14% on other items, you know you're getting an incredible price on it. Now, I get greedy, and when I see that end cap with a lot of items, I want a deal on what's already a deal. Sorry, just who I am. But for you, buying at a store that is an everyday low-price retailer, like the warehouse clubs, like Aldi, um, like Walmart, is the other strategy to use. 
But if you are going to high-low retailers of any kind, whether it's non-grocery or grocery, know the game. You're paying really, really, really high markups on most items in the store. And in return, being subsidized on the purchase of those items that are a deal. And if they're not a deal at a high-low, I don't buy them. And that's end of story for me. And right now, if you're having to stretch every dollar, it should be end of story for you. Krista? This first question is from Robert in California. As opposed, do you know who Robert California, the character is? No idea what you're talking about. The show The Office. Have you ever seen it? Never seen it. I've You've heard of the show the called show. The Office. Oh, it's, you have to watch it. It's okay. so good. You just got to know, I am the most clueless person about anything about popular culture that anyone will ever meet. Well, this question, true, right? it, true. This question from Robert in California is actually about television. Hi, Clark. Recently, you discussed how you record the Super Bowl and skip the commercials on playback. My question is, how do you skip the commercials? I stream Hulu live and it forces me to play oh. the commercials on recorded playback. Are you using a video recorder? And if so, what model? And P.S. These days, live TV c- contains so many commercials. I spend that time reading the Wall Street Journal articles on my phone a great deal at $4 a month. Okay, that's wonderful. You've come up with a way to multitask using that time. You know what they call the two screen, how people watch video now, that almost everybody has a tablet, a phone, or a laptop with them while they're watching a TV monitor. Uh-huh. Um, so the Super Bowl, we have YouTube TV. So I recorded the game. You know, YouTube TV has the thing where you uh, make a check mark. And so I recorded the game, and I started the game quite late. Not late enough. I ended up having to watch the end of the game completely live and had to sit through some commercials. But that's how I did it is, you know, there's an electronic or digital DVR with YouTube TV. For now, they don't make you, although they're on demand, you have to watch the commercials if you're streaming yes. on demand content. Yeah, if you're watching, that is right because... My wife watches a lot of on-demand television, and you have to watch the commercials, and there's no way to speed through them, and it has made the ad agency community so unbelievably happy. That's why you're seeing so much more content available on-demand that was not available in that format before. From Michael in Ohio, some months ago, Clark said he increased his cash position. May I ask where he's parking his non-emergency cash to avoid getting clobbered by pandemic inflation? I am getting clobbered by pandemic inflation, Michael, but you have to have money in a parking space. And so I'm losing every day having money in the equivalent of a cash position, which for me is an ultra short bond fund. I'm losing money every single day I breathe between what I'm earning on the ultra short and what the rate of inflation is doing to erode my dollars. But the first rule with investing is to preserve capital that you might need in a set period of time. And for me, it is a five-year period of time because of my age, I'll be 67 soon. So I use a five-year window 
of having cash equivalents available. The reason is, overwhelmingly, my money is invested in the stock market, in various funds. And I don't want to ever be in a position where I have to sell holdings during a time of a market decline, a bear market, which is a decline of 20% or more. And they are routine that we have corrections, which is a 10% or more decline, a bear market, a 20% or more decline. I don't want the marketplace to dictate the losses I would have to bake in by having to sell at a bad time. So that's why having a reserve that you can live on that's, that's cash or cash equivalents avoids that. And yes, if you look at me standing in place, I am losing, but the losses that I suffer, even with today's elevated inflation rate, are nothing compared to the turns in investment markets that can happen in short order. And this is from Steve in Oregon. I just realized my homeowner's insurance doesn't cover any damage related to earthquakes. It's about $300 per year to add the coverage, but that still has a $30,000 deductible that's deducted from the final settlement, so it's no out-of-pocket for me. I've never heard of any earthquake damage in my area, but all the fear mongers say we're due for the big one. Is adding this coverage a good idea? So uh, I don't know if you've received this from your homeowner's insurer. I've received it from mine, Mm. and I'm in an area not prone to earthquakes really at all. I guess it could happen at some point that there would be a damaging earthquake, but of the list of worries, very small. So the question is, where you are in Oregon, what are the odds that there that you're on a fault line that could lead to a catastrophic earthquake? I mean, it's not something I'm familiar with being an issue in Oregon. So if it's not a if it's just such a low level risk, um, I w- I would not spend the money. If it's a meaningful level of risk that you have in the part of Oregon you live in then I would consider it. But otherwise, nah, I'd let it it pass. Here's my concern. California, where so many people live directly under great threat from earthquakes, your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover it. And a shocking number of California homeowners don't have earthquake insurance. And that doesn't seem like a great idea to me. It's like people who live in low-lying areas that don't have federal flood insurance, even though the risk, knowing where you live, the risk is significant and your homeowner's insurance will not cover a flood. And same thing with hurricanes, that your homeowner's policy, if you live in an area prone to hurricanes, your homeowner's policy may or may not cover uh, windstorm damage adequately and you may need additional coverage for that. But again, Everything in life involves a calculation of risk. And if where you are in Oregon, the risk level is really low. I don't think it is. I wouldn't spend the money. What are you looking at here? Um, Just like the fault lines. There's all these. I mean, I wouldn't. I would pay 300 bucks to not have to worry about that. Let's see. Dozens of faults. It's from an ABC affiliate. Through Oregon and Washington. In Portland. There are a lot. 
next big earthquake, blah, 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 dozens of faults. These crustal faults, crustal, is that how you say that? I assume. Similar to the fault that caused two large earthquakes in Southern California. Portland Hills Fault runs to the city of Portland. I, I Do your own research and see. They say that the fault could unleash a 6.8 magnitude earthquake every Five to 10,000 years. I'd still buy it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, you can't insure against everything. Five to 10,000 years? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to leave that one to you, Steve. Krista says buy it. I say, not sure <laughs> about that. But what I am sure about is that I'm really grateful to you for joining us and being a member of Team Clark. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, review us if you get a chance, share us with your friends, and if you love your family, well, share it with them too.